All right, maybe not. Okay, I'm just trying to, to lighten it up this morning. We're going to be talking about lightening your load this morning. That's what we're talking about because Jesus has a lot to say about those things. But I'm going to start here in just a moment a, a, a story about Paul crossing the Adriatic Sea. But before I get there, you know, we're, ta- we're going to be talking about worry. How many of you, if you find a piece of hair in your bacon, we'll go ahead and eat it. Oh, yeah, there's a handful of you raising your hand. It's bacon. It's bacon, right? Here, here's my whole point in saying that it's funny how we are, you know, because I, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, and so uh, germs kind of bother me. And, and if I find a piece of hair in my food, if I'm at a restaurant and find some hair, I'm like, oh, I can't eat that. You know, I bell out. But, but we worry over that, and we don't worry about eating the bacon. You know what I'm saying? There's consequences with that as well. So today, as I jump in here and I talk about worry, I, we've done sermon series on worry before. We've talked about worry, but we're in a sermon series about being up on the mountain with Jesus, about the Magna Carta, really, of what Jesus had to say as he preached and taught from this mountainside in Matthew chapter 5 and, and going on through Matthew chapter 7. And, and we're learning a lot. I hope that you're, you're plugged in. If you're not here on Sundays, that you go back and listen to the messages that we taught because this is really important stuff. Jesus is teaching us how we should live life, and it's incredible. And one of the things he says is, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. And some of us are already worried about tomorrow. I thought of a story to kick this off with, you know, uh, back last week as I was going through this. I, I remember how, how worrying stole my tomorrows the first time. I was in the third grade. So I hadn't really worried up until the third grade. That's, that's already winning in life, right? And, and so uh, uh, in third grade, I, I was in elementary school, and we, they had walked us across the street to the high school and we were watching a movie, and as we watched that movie, uh, you know, my best friend was sitting next to me, and of course, we're kind of picking at each other, and we start to walk out from the movie, school's out, and, and he shoved me from behind. And so I just did what every third grader does, I turned around and just kicked him, right? And, and so uh, he shoved me again, and the next time I kicked him, I kicked him right, I remember my, my foot like went right up in this part of his pants you know I kicked him right in the calf and he's hobbling around there and all of a sudden the principal says you two boys come here right now and I was like oh no and we were really just kind of playing we weren't we weren't really going at it yet just getting started and and this is what he said he said now you boys need to catch the bus but I want you in my office first thing Monday morning it was a Friday and so I remember riding a bus home and going, oh, my goodness. Because the way it worked at my house, if you got swats at school, you got twice that when you got home. And so I was like, I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble. And so I thought maybe what I should do is go to my folks and just sit down and have a civil adult conversation with them. And just let them know how sorry I was and how it was all of Stanton's fault. I had nothing to do with it. I was just the innocent bystander and have to go see the principal Monday morning. But instead of doing that, when I got home, I, I just worried about it. And I worried about it. And Saturday came along, and I remember being out and helping my dad and thinking, when's a good time I can mention this to my dad because I really need to soften the situation before Monday. 
And, and so, you know, I'm just, I'm eating myself up through worry. And I didn't sleep Saturday night, Sunday morning, we go to church, and I'd already thought about it. The principal went to our church, and I thought, man, I bet we see him. And sure enough, I mean, we meet in the hallway. And he's like, hello, Curtis, how are you? And he passed me on the back, and I'm just looking down, you know, just trying to get through. <laughs> just knowing that he's going to go back there and talk to my parents about what I had done and about the big meeting that was coming up Monday morning. Monday morning rolls around to get off the school bus. Stanton had beat me there, and he was waiting at the door, and he said, are you ready? I said, oh, man, I'm in so much trouble. You don't even know. And we walk back there to the principal's office, and both of us are standing at his door. We knock at his door, and, and he opens the door, and he said, what do you boys want? <laughs> no joke. And we should have played it cool, like nothing. We were just seeing how your day was going, you know, but we didn't. Instead, we were like, don't you remember? We were fighting out there when we, when we walked out of the movie thing. And, you know, and, and so we tell, oh, yeah, you boys are in big trouble. Come in here. He didn't even remember it. <laughs> you know, I can't remember who said it. I, I, I was trying to think here this morning who said these words. But uh, it may have been Mark Twain. Most of the, the, things, uh, the things I worried the most about never came true. We harbor so much today that it steals our tomorrows. So true, church. I look at Acts chapter 27. I want us to look at some things here. This is really just setting a stage. Let me just kind of set this up for you. The Apostle Paul felt that he was called to, to Rome. He was led by the Spirit to go to Rome. Even though he was cautioned, he was warned that, warned that he better not show up in Rome. But he was determined, but the way he got to Rome was probably not according to his plan. The way he got there, he got there as a prisoner. So while he's on his way, as he's going, he is being taken as a prisoner. And he has a shipwreck. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. So he's, he's a prisoner at this time. Watch how this unfolds. This is a pretty incredible story. Acts chapter 27, starting with verse 27. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. Now, they took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found that it was 90 feet deep. This is incredible. They could tell the depth of the water back then. Isn't that amazing? From the soundings. So they knew that, that they were coming into shallow water. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Now, there are sailors, and there are centurions, and there are slaves, and there are, are prisoners all on this ship. The sailors are saying, we've got to take things into our own hands. Let's do this. The ship's going to wreck. Just a bunch of prisoners and guards anyway. Let it wreck, but it doesn't have to wreck with us. Right? Let's, let's bail out. And this is, this is how the story's unfolding. Now watch. Watch what happens. In an attempt to escape the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion, excuse me, and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Now how many prisoners do you know have a voice with centurions with the guards? How many have a voice with the people on the ship that are prisoners? 
You see, they knew there was something in Paul. I want you to see this. Even though he was taken captive, they saw a light in Paul. He had a voice, even though he was in captivity. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Notice they do what he says. They not only listen and hear, they do what he says. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. And after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. And they were all encouraged and ate some themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. And when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. That probably came from Paul as well. You've got to lighten your load. We've got to get this thing up out of the water higher. See, the more that's on the ship, the deeper it sails in the water. So we've got to lighten the load. This was a cargo ship. This was a ship that was hauling grain. I read commentaries on this, and, and it was probably hauling somewhere between, I don't remember. <laughs> I can't remember, like 7 or 14 tons that it was hauling across the Adriatic Sea. And, and this is where they were going to get funds. I mean, they were going to be able to sell this grain. They were going to be able to feed those who were still on the ship the grain. They can make bread and other things with this grain. So what he's saying is he, he's saying you've got to get all of this stuff out and you've got to learn to depend upon the Lord. You've got to lighten the load is what's going on here. Isn't it amazing to me? Watch. Uh, let me see if I can find this. It says, it says this. They dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. It's amazing to me that when a situation arises, people automatically know to pray. These people probably didn't know God, but they knew to pray. They knew there was only one way to be saved. And it wasn't happening from all of their inventions. It wasn't happening from the lifeboat. It wasn't happening from all their monetary wealth. It was going to take God to save them. So they prayed in the darkness for light, and the light shone through the Apostle Paul. This is going to become very important for us this morning. Because here's the deal. Light has a source. Darkness doesn't. Light has a source. And there's, there's a source of God. There, there's a light that is in each one of us that shines so brightly, it's attractive. Even the sailors, all of those on board, Paul was a prisoner, and they listened to him. Because he had the source of light within him. See, it's amazing what happens. We fear, we attempt to make decisions that ultimately cause us to take on more. The Apostle Paul told the men, stay with the ship. You're going to have to ride out the storm. Folks, this is the truth. All of us are going to have storms in life. If you live long enough, your principal is going to call you to his office. We all have storms in life. Things happen in life. It's just going to happen. Life is not equal. It's not the same for all of us. Some people's storms are worse than other people's storms. But ultimately, it's all in how we handle the storm and who we handle it with. The same thing we've got to learn is to learn to lighten the load. It's a great message for us today. Corey Ten Boom, Holocaust survivor, she wrote these words. 
She said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. I'll read it again. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. It steals our tomorrows. A study of over 1,600 men aged 43 through 91. This is funny because I went back through some old notes. When I talk about old notes, I'm talking about notes from my former life. Okay, not as a non-Christian, but before I came to Harvest here, I preached a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, and I had written down these statistics back then. A study of over 1,600 men aged 43 to 91 were followed for 12 years. Those who showed an increase in eroticism over the 12 years, look, those who showed an increase in neurotic behavior, when you turn 40 or a little above, that's when you start saying, hey, you know, people won't remember how great I was. That's kind of how we look at it. I mean, you get 40 plus years old and you start going, hey, you know, okay, I'm hearing all these ideas and, and all these 20 year olds who weren't even born when I was in my greatness. None of them ever saw me hang from the rim, you know what I'm saying? I didn't, all right? I'm just saying. If I did, they didn't see it. And neither did 40. But anyway, you see, here's the thing. There, there's no doubt that the challenge starts to come up. The challenge starts to come up that do we have more life behind us than what's ahead of us? What does life look like ahead of us? And so they did this study on those who were kind of going through a midlife and, and, and those who... Uh, uh, we're, we're supposed to just be able to live life. And they did a study on both. And those who had the tendencies of neuroticism, 12 years later, over 50% of them died. Those who were worriers, it took years from their lives. Here's the truth. Jesus says it doesn't add days, and research shows that it takes them away. Kentucky Bishop Charles Woodcock said this. He said this in the New York Times. It is no more sinful to drink yourself into the gutter than to worry yourself into the grave. Now, don't use that as an excuse because Bishop so-and-so said, it's just as well that I drink my cares away. All right, that's not what he's saying. He's just saying there's a danger here, right? It is no more sinful to drink yourself into the gutter than to worry yourself into the grave. Worry weakens the heart. It hardens the arteries and can shorten your life by years. Years ago, I, we were driving home from church, and it was, I, I remember my dad, he had this incredible ability to read the paper while he was driving home from church. <laughs> you know, and, and, and we had a big car, a Galaxy 500. You were halfway there when you started, you know, when you left. It was one of those boat cars, and he, he's saying, he'd read the paper, and he goes, hey, look at this, kids, the, the world's supposed to end today. Somebody predicted it. Let me read you the story. So, so we listen to the story. We get home, and I am so afraid that Jesus is coming back. I mean, I repent of everything, every word, every thought. Every, you know, and I actually walked down a turn road down to the diesel tanks, and, and right behind them set a well, and I sat down right there, and I started praying, and I was watching the sky. I knew Jesus was coming back in the east. I was waiting for it to part. I was worried. I'm not going to make it. I even thought about the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And I thought, I'm just going to run as hard as I can and make it to his right side. 
And then I thought, oh no, what if he does this? I mean, you know, I'm just thinking I'm going to get tricked out of heaven. Something's going to, something's going to break loose. So, so here's the thing. Worry doesn't, doesn't take into consideration your age. It doesn't take into consideration your fame, your fortune, all of those things. Worry can trickle into each and every one of our lives. We can all be conduits in some way. Let me tell you, don't worry about the world coming to an end today. It's already, it's already tomorrow in Australia. <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to God. Hey, uh, the Berries are with us from Australia today. Welcome, Berries. It's so good to see y'all. Y'all trying to grow up. Suzanne, what's going on? Anyway, the Berries used to uh, do our life groups here and now then uh, just close friends. So I had to throw an Australia joke in there for you, Brent. That one was for you. All right. Okay. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I don't think like, but we'll go on. All right. And also we have jackson peak with us today from wyoming i just want to say good friend of the church as well welcome guys um this is a great message for y'all don't worry about how you're going home okay it's already taken care of jesus knew that everyone worries and we worry for several reasons but one in particular we worry because we have a lack of faith will god really take our best interest in mind when jesus went to the cross he took our best interest in mind. We were his interest. We were his everything. The Apostle Paul says you were bought with a price. And the price was, was the blood of Jesus poured out for each and every one of us. Can we put our faith in what he's done and what he's doing? That he has our best interest in mind. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, For this reason, this is Jesus sitting on the side of the mountain. He says, For this reason, as a matter of fact, depending on what you're reading, reading, that's the New American Standard, but if you were to read this in the New King James, he says, Therefore, anytime he says, Therefore, we need to see why the there is for or what it's for. So here we go. Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is life not more than food, the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, or therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has a trouble of its own. Why is the therefore? What is the therefore? Well, here it is. Just prior to that, we need to see, it's like last week's sermon, we have the potential to serve two masters. One called Mammon and one called the Lord. And in this case, 
That's the reference he's making to. If then you choose to, to, to make God Lord of your life and to be your provision, to be your, your provider, if then that's the choice you've made, then you should not worry about tomorrow. If you make the choice for mammon, here's the thing, you're going to serve mammon. And there will probably come a day in your life that mammon will not be there to serve you back. There's not enough. In a storm, there's just not enough. See, mammon has an appetite that can never be filled. It will keep our ships loaded down. It's okay to have stuff, but careful that that stuff doesn't have you or have your faith. The thing about a ship is the ship can carry things. You can just keep putting stuff on ships. And, and, and they can sail just so far loaded. I mean, they, they, with, with so much weight in them. Now, you don't want to keep adding to that ship until water comes over the side. Duh, but sometimes we do with our lives. Sometimes we just keep adding to the ship. We just keep chasing mammon. We just, we've got to have the latest thing. We've got, got to have the latest treat. We've got to have the latest I-7, I-10, I-I-I. And it's me, me, me. And we just keep adding to it. Mammon has that appetite that can never be filled. And eventually you'll begin to worry because you just don't have enough. Well, how much is enough? Have you ever had anybody ask you what you're worth? Maybe not, but uh, I've been in several interviews, not for me, but with other people, and I've even had people bring that up. Now, listen, you're going to have to pay me this much. Or I'm not coming to work there. They don't work here. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> right? But I've had it happen. Not just I'm, I'm just saying throughout ministry career, even as well. And we put so much faith and so much hope in mammon, and God says, hey, I'm the giver of faith. He gives us what we need when we need it. Jesus uses the phrase, ye of little faith. What he's doing here, most scholars believe he's chastising a little bit. He's saying, hey, you little faithers. Y'all are worried about some things, you little faithers. You're, you're worried about this, this hand-to-mouth culture. You're worried about having enough uh, today that will sustain you for tomorrow. Then you're worried about tomorrow having enough for the next day. You're worried about this Roman government who, who can do whatever they want to with you. You're worried about some, some things. Your future doesn't look real bright. Well, here's what you have. You have today. And, and have the faith. Pour yourself into me. Seek the Lord while He can be found. And He'll pour Himself back into you and give you great faith. Consider the lilies, consider the birds. They work, but they don't worry. Their focus is simply today. If you bring your best and live life well today, tomorrow will care for itself. Corey Ten Boom also had these things to say. She said, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength, carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Today is pretty heavy sometimes. Why would we choose to carry tomorrow as well? last week or a couple of weeks ago, I talked about organizing our life around our heart side instead of our eyesight. The analogy, our hearts will lead us to a great destination in Jesus. Sometimes our eyesight can't see it. These guys that said it was, it must have been dark because they prayed for what? They prayed for daylight. They wanted to be able to see. Paul was using his heart light. And it led the entire ship. 
We have to use our heart side to organize our life. If our hearts are full of life, we organize life around the source of that light, and that is God and His kingdom. That's why Jesus ends this phrase with, Seek ye first His kingdom, His righteousness, and all these things. All these things will be added unto you. Matthew 6.22, the eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your, light, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, watch this, if then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now how can light be darkness? Let me just give you a way that it can. One is the enemy disguises himself as light, as a child of light. You can see a lot of ways that he disguises. I mean, in the book of Revelation, you see that he carries a bow, but what? No arrows. He wears a crown, but it's not a victor's crown. The, the scripture says he's like a lion, right? Seeking those whom he can devour, but it doesn't say he is a lion. There's only one lion, one lamb. He, he rides, a, another example would be, he, he rides a pale horse, not a white horse. And we just go on and on and on and on. If then the light in you is darkness, so it's an artificial light. It's, it's light, this is what we know. That darkness has receptive properties for light. Darkness can reflect light but it does not have a source of light. So this is a huge, isn't it amazing how deep, God of the universe, the infinite God in all of his wisdom, we just keep finding this stuff. It's just so deep and so rich. But what he's saying then, if then the light in you is darkness, what does that look like in you? That means you look like something that you possibly aren't. You look like you can provide something that you probably can't. This, a great example of that would be the moon. The full moon night, love to look at the moon. Where does that light, though, come from? It comes from the sun. It's reflected. If, then, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You're not fooling Jesus. You might fool some others around. See, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. So, how could we apply this to where we don't worry about tomorrow? Guys, to unpack everything, we don't have time, but I can give you a couple of ways. The first one I would say is learn that storms happen. Storms are not just your storm. You, storms, it, it, this is sometimes how we say it or how we think it. If people knew everything I was going through, if my life were fair, if they had as much trouble and as many storms as I had, Jesus might call them little faithers as well. If, if, if life had handed them as much turmoil as it's handed me. And this is what we do. We get into a comparison trap. Let me just say this. Storms happen to everyone. Life is not equal. Everyone at any time, any point in their life can encounter a major storm that in their own strength they will not be able to handle. You may have been there. 
You may not have been there yet. Keep living. Things happen. Learn that storms happen. The Apostle Paul was a godly man. The Scripture says that even his shadow, when it fell upon some, they were healed. But it didn't make him immune to storms. He too. He was in the storm with everyone else. And they're like, why does this guy have peace? The rest of us are running around wondering how we're going to survive through this storm. Even trying to do things in their own strength. Storms happen. The Apostle Paul said, hey, I've got a thorn in my side. And Lord, I'd like for you to take that out. However, if it doesn't happen, it's not going to change the fact that I have a peace. And that your grace is sufficient for me. I can move on. I can still continue to live my life for God because He has given me the peace. He has given me His mercy. He has given me enough grace for this storm. Have you ever been around someone who just has a peace in the midst of the storm? Years ago, I watched a movie, and, and I was a child when I saw this movie. It was the first time I ever saw anything on the Holocaust. And then it, the movie was progressing quickly, and, and it moved to the bombing at Pearl Harbor. And I remember there, there was... There was a sergeant who stood up during the bombing, and, it, and, and you could even see some of the shrapnel was knocking the windows out from the bombs, and the soldiers were crawling under their desk. They were in a classroom, and he stood up, and he said, Each one of you men, go and man your post. You have been trained for a time such as this. And I never forgot that. I thought, man, I wish I could, I could be a man like that one day who could stand up in the midst of the storm, know that he was called to that place to take action in the way that he did and be of sound mind. It's incredible. See, being of sound mind is important. Last week I, I talked about a revelation I had that, that God showed me that our spirit, when we pray in the spirit and when we seek God in the spirit, we seek him with our heart because our spirit is redeemed. Our minds are being redeemed. They're being transformed. That helped me a lot because this is what I see is that when, when I pull out on I-27 and, and that lady's driving in the left-hand lane and I got to move on, all of a sudden my mind's not redeemed. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's being transformed. It's lining up. And then the Scripture says that our bodies, right, are, will one day be, will be given a new body. And, and so, as I, as I learn this, I know that, that we've got to train our minds as well in this. That they're a part of this. But we start here with the Spirit that's in our heart, His Spirit, His light, His source. The second thing I would say is, is the first is storms happen. The second I would say is take an inventory. Unload your boat. If some of you have way too much on your ship, and it doesn't take a very big storm for water to start coming over the bow. We need to unload some things. And in order to know what things we need to unload, we need to take an inventory. You ever sat down and just took an inventory about what's really important? Just write it out. What's important for me today? You wake up in the morning and say, God, this is your day. Make it yours in my life. Show me what's important. Show me what's not. Don't let me waste my time, my energy, my effort. Take an inventory. Some of you need to throw some things out of your boat, some material things. Some of us need to throw some material desires, some ambitions. Because Jesus, look, 
He's not opposed to us having desires. But when we cast our cares upon Him, when we make Him the source of our life, He will show us what our desires should be and what our call is in life so that life is fulfilled. Some of us need to take an inventory of our friends. That's no fun, is it? You ever do that? Write down all your friends and then go, golly, man. Scratch, 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 scratch. Lord, I don't have any friends. You took all three of them. Now what do I do? Right? But, but let's just be honest. I mean, some friends take us down a road we don't need to go down. Some voices we don't need to listen to in this life. It's just the truth. We've just got to look. When the seas are calm, you don't necessarily have to add to your inventory. I always wanted to be a rancher. I, always, I never really wanted the church to write me a check. Now, don't take that personally. But I really didn't because I wanted to give more than I ever took. And so I started with a three-cow ranch. I told you about it a couple of years ago. Eventually, it grew to 187 mamas. And, and I had mama cattle in Lubbock. And I would literally come in in, in the month of February and March. I, I would come into the office, and I'd be dressed like this. But at noon, I would put some coveralls on. I'd take this shirt off, had my undershirt on, and boom, I would head out because the cows were calving. And I needed to be there. And, and we got into, my last year, we got into, uh, they, they were actually in mineral deficiency. And that was in 2008. And if you know anything about commodities during that time, they just like tripled and quadrupled in a period of three or four months. And all of a sudden, I went from, from owing 300 ahead to um, 12, 15, 18, 100. And I was like, oh, no, Lord, our ship is singing. There is no pastor salary. It's going to bail me out of this one. All right? It's, I don't know if it's out. Maybe T.D. Jakes. I don't know. But, but mine wasn't going to get me there. And so I began to just hit my knees and pray and take inventory. And, and the Lord began to reveal for me, you want more time. You want margin in your life. But every time you hit a peaceful part, you put more on your boat. You get it so low that when a wave comes, and now two waves, now there's a major thing going on here. And I just put my faith in Him. And I'm not going to lie to you, I was afraid. But this is what I learned. Ye of little faith. We, we were called to come up to Amarillo. And I told Allison, we've got to make this much on our house. We've just got to do it. And I'm talking about a lot. And, and so we called a realtor. A realtor came out, walked through everything, went through all of our stuff and said, there's no way. That's not going to happen. You're going to have to come off that price significantly. And I said, well, I'm not. So I didn't use a realtor. I took a sign out there with a hammer and nailed my name for sale. Here's my phone number. I went to camp that week, came back from camp. I had three phone calls. The first people came by and looked at it. The second people came by and looked at it. And the second people that came by and looked at the place said, we don't want the third people to come by. We'll take it. Never even negotiated the price. And we broke even. We were paid out. It wasn't the pastor's salary, church. It, 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 it wasn't the size of the storm. It was getting back and putting my faith, trust, hope in God and who He is. Come on, little faithers. Sometimes we just need to lighten the load. 
The Apostle Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known to God. And watch this. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. Regardless of how big the storm, regardless of how big the waves, regardless of what's going on around you, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts because that's where the light source is. And your minds as they line up in Jesus Christ. Isaiah 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, is there on you. Perfect peace. I know there are things you could be anxious about this morning, church. I know there, it looks like life is stealing your hope, that life is stealing your your dreams, that life is putting more on your boat than you can handle. Listen, there is a light source within you that is calling out, saying, cast your cares. He's saying, come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, who are weary, and you will find rest for your souls. We're going to do something a little different this morning. We're going to say a prayer together. You know, there's, there's power as we come together. And I want you to think about the words as I say them. Repeat them after me. But it's just a, it's a community prayer because, listen, Satan disguises himself as though he's hope. As though he can bail you out. And we'll put our hope in money. We'll put our hope in mammon. We'll put our hope in a job or a job promotion or the possibility of, of getting a bonus when Jesus said no I want your hope to be in me I want your mind to be set on me so pray this with me Father I want to give my best this day therefore I cast the whole of my care onto you with prayer and thanksgiving I am making known to you today the concerns of my life and I cast the whole of my concerns and the anxiety of those concerns onto you. I am unloading my boat, my lifeboat. God, make me alive in this moment, free to sow, free to give and free to care no longer will I be weighted down and no longer will I be burdened help me give my best today without the concerns and cares of tomorrow in Jesus name Amen